0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood.
1: What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app with open phone lines for you. 312. 332 ESPN three three two three seven seven six is the telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, TweetJHood. also Instagram at IGJhood. Great to have you in as we uh, get a chance to hear from Ryan Hollins. That'll be coming up in a half hour from now. We'll get his thoughts about the NBA in the bubble. There's already issues already. And uh, also some interesting storylines around the NBA, which we'll get to coming up at 730 with Ryan. And, of course, an hour from now, you know what we do at 8 o'clock, right? 8 o'clock. Every every night at 8 o'clock. Come on. Summer football. We are celebrating football every night at 8 o'clock. As we always have special guests, we will preview the NFC North at 8 o'clock. Packers, Vikings, Lions. What can the Bears expect uh, for the 2020 campaign, we'll review the NFC North coming your way in one hour from now right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Bill Barnwell, who is a f- guest on this program from time to time. We get a chance to talk to him maybe two or three times a year, uh, and that is not necessarily always in football season. We catch him sometimes in the off season, just getting his thoughts on how he looks at the Bears and everyone else in the NFL. And so my view of the Bears might be different than most because it 's one thing to have a narrow focus on what the blue and orange are going to do this year, and nothing else. Well, my viewpoint over the years has been able to expand to not just looking at the bears and what happens at House Hall, but what happens around the division, what happens in the conference, what happens in all of in the NFL because It's one thing to have a myopic view of the Bears, and it's another thing to be able to look at how organizations are able to run and be perennial playoff teams and run like a well oiled machine. See, when you are a Bears fan like I am, um, you have no other choice but to be able to look outside of the state of Illinois and try to figure out how the Bears can be able to be that team. That team, where every time I take the mic, the phone lines are lit talking about the Bears, uh, where we're trying to figure out, okay, 11 and five got to the playoffs, fell short of their goal. How can they capitalize? 11, uh, you know, 12 and four the next year, couple of um, playoff wins, fell short in the Super Bowl or fell short in the conference game. Those are question marks uh, that I wish that I could be able to address every single year it would be like me doing uh radio in boston right talking about the patriots or talking about uh, other teams that have knocked on the door of the playoffs like the saints but i'm not in new orleans i'm not in boston i'm in chicago and we're talking about the bears every single year and we're talking about how the team uh is a, a team that is good but not good enough What we saw last year is football hell two years ago 12 and four Get to the playoffs. Clearly, special teams was not on par. They fell short of their goal. Last year, you're just 500, and that's just football hell. When you are a horrible team, you know, like Jacksonville was last year or the Bengals was last year, okay, you got room for uh, uh, Dolphins in some ways. Uh, you got room for improvement. When you're at the top of your game like the 49ers and when you are um, a team like Kansas City that was able to win the Super Bowl, I'm like, okay, All right, can we do it again? Can we get back to the mountaintop again? But when you're in the middle and just stuck in mediocrity, you're just like, oh, no, not again, right? You don't know which direction this will go. This is why I'm on pins and needles for the season to start. If we get a season, I'm interested in finding out what it looks like because everything is predicated on offense. We talk so much about quarterbacks and looking at offense and because that's the thing that stirs the drink in this league. It's not about defense. It's not about always the draft. It's about personnel on offense. And so I read Bill Barnwell's piece, ranking offensive weapons for all 32 teams in 2020. Barnwell picks the best and the worst. And again, this is the opinion of someone who is a mover and shaker when it comes to NFL opinion. So of course, if there's a list, you know I'm going to read it and you know I'm going to talk to you about it because I want to get your reaction to it. So if you missed it, so here's what it says. It goes through the worst to the best. It actually usually starts at one. This time it starts at 32. So we'll go backwards. So Washington is at 32. And by the way, uh, Washington does not have a nickname yet. All that that uh, Pyro and Ballyhoo and all this, you know, uh, Hubba Baloo about the new name. It's like the only thing that we got from Washington was uh, we're not going to be called the Redskins anymore. It's like, okay, so what's the name? Still don't know. <laughs> okay, so typical former Redskins. Uh, you talk about the Bears and their organization. Boy, that's some, that's some terrible organizations from a PR standpoint in this league. Washington is 32 on this list, and you can understand why. When we talk about young quarterbacks, we never get to Dwayne Haskins because he still has to prove something, and they, and they still, under uh, Ron Rivera, have to be able to kind of reinvent who they are and who they were. Uh, Poorly run organization, but you got Ron Rivera who knows what he's doing. So it's going to take some time. So Washington's 32. Jacksonville's 31. And you can understand why Jacksonville's 31. I mean, trying to figure out um, the weapons around Jacksonville. And plus last offseason, how they unplugged the team pretty much. I can't believe an NFL team would just completely tank the way they did last year. I, I was disappointed in Jacksonville, a team That was on the precipice of getting to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Duval County, one of the strong defenses in the National Football League for a while, and they just unplugged the organization, just got rid of of quality players. Like you're not what are you, the Miami Marlins? You just you're just gonna tank? You can't do that in the NFL, but Jacksonville did. And I just think that's the wrong thing to do. So Miami's thirtieth. As much as I like their front office and what they were, were able to do, you can understand why they're 30th. They still got to figure out uh, what they have in Tua Viloa as, uh, as their quarterback. They still have to figure out uh, some of the parts there, so you're 30th. The Jets are 29th in this list. You know, the Jets turned things around toward the end of the season. I think they went 6-2 in their last eight games, but they started off really rough, really, really rough. And it's not a good sign when players are trying demanding a trade. That is also an issue with the Jets. They're 29th on this list. So we've gone Washington, Jacksonville, Miami, Jets, as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood under the hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. So I go to 28, and I found the Bears. 28. Out of 32 teams, ranking offensive weapons for all 32 NFL teams in 2020, Barnwell has the Bears at 28. See, I didn't even do what I normally do and just go through all the the best of the best because, you know, we we went through like three breaks before I got to the Bears. So I I cut to the chase and gave you the Bears at 28. Allen Robinson deserves better than this. That's the first sentence about the Bears. Seventeenth best offense in the NFL, according to Bill Barnwell, last year ninth in 2018, and the first sentence. Allen Robinson deserves better than this. Having spent his entire career catching passes from Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky, he will uh, get a comparatively uh, upgrade, a comparative upgrade this season if the Bears start Nick Foles, the former Penn State star held up his end of the bargain a year ago, racking up 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns on 154 targets. Anthony Miller finished the season with 656 yards and averaged nearly 1.5 yards per route run. But drops and shoulders injuries yeah, definitely were a concern in his first two seasons goes on to say that the other weapons on this roster all all failed to live up to their expectations, although much of that was due to injuries. He's talking about Tariq Cohen. Seven drops on 103 targets. He says players like Cohen and Ted Ginn Jr. and Cordero Patterson could be intriguing supplemental pieces in the right scheme, but it's difficult to count on Matt Nagy making the most of their ability. Boy, that's a strong statement. I could do an hour on that. (laughs) <laughs> like he says that with gin and cohen and patterson they could be good supplemental pieces which also is a shot supplemental pieces meaning that they're not really stars or guys that can make a difference there's just supplemental pieces i'll do an hour on that too difficult uh to count on matt nagy making the most of their ability free agent signee jimmy graham's contract was universally panned But even leaving money aside, he was anonymous last season in the Packers offense. Desperate for a second receiving option and turns 34 in November. David Montgomery is the big hope for the Bears to climb up these rankings, but as a rookie, he was below average by every running measure I could find. Go Bears! Yeah. 28th on this list. Now... Here's the thing. The Bears could easily turn this around by having Foles have the lion's share of the time at quarterback. But maybe that's not going to happen. I'll explain why next on
0: UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: This is Chicago's
0: home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN
1: 1000. Ryan Holland's. NBA analyst will join us at 730 give his thoughts on what's going on with the bubble in Orlando and of course we know Russell Westbrook has coronavirus and players trying to leave already it's Just, it's a weird scenario it's tempting fate it's definitely happening through COVID-19. Talking to you about the Bears right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Uh three one two three three two espn 332 is our phone number. Anything in our conversation about the Bears and the rest of the NFL that stand out to you, I'll, I'll definitely take your phone calls. Again, we've got a guest at the bottom, so I want to get your calls in here uh, and also your tweets at TweetJHood. Ranking offensive weapons for all 32 teams in 2020. Now, the thing about these lists, uh, I get a kick out of it because I find it intriguing on how some look at the future for the NFL, the future season. Now, Kansas City is number one on this list. And some things that disagree with with this list, like, for instance, Kansas City is number one, and you're going to give Patrick Mahomes the benefit of the doubt. Whether or not you think there's going to be slippage or not, that guy is... Um, That young man and that offense works. Number two on this list is is, um, Cleveland. (laughs) And that is just based on looking at the roster and thinking that, well, at some point, Baker Mayfield will come into his own. I don't see that. I don't see that. There's many in Vegas that are trying to put the Browns in the playoffs, and that may happen. I I don't foresee that because I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. But a list like this has the Browns second, the Cowboys are third. And whether Dak Prescott's going to get a new deal or not, uh, I think that he's really good with Cooper and Gallup, um, C.D. Lamb, uh, and and good players like that around him. So I think that he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be fine. Ezekiel Elliott, of course, running the football. I think that they're going to be fine offensively. Now, there's a ceiling to their success. How good can they be for the long haul in 2020? Um, the Buccaneers are fourth. I think that that is too low. Well, actually too high in this list because they're fourth because Tom Brady is, what, 46, 47? There's going to be a culture shock in Tampa and people are not going to be ready for it. I can already see the narratives written like, oh, Tom's old. Well, no blank, he's old. <laughs> no, no, yeah, he's, not, he's not with uh, Bill Belichick. He's not with the Patriots. He's with Tampa. He's with my guy, drinking uh, Crown Royal on the sidelines. Yeah, there's going to be an, definitely a, a difference between Brady the Patriot and Brady the Buccaneer. Um, the Panthers are fifth in this list, way too high in this list. When we talk about young quarterbacks uh, and, and rosters, we never talk about Kyle Allen. There's a reason. So, yeah, you know, I, I but... Here's what I look at, though, with this list, though. When I'm going through the bad teams and questionable teams, the Bears deserve to be in that spot because of their inconsistency. And so my point is is that when we look at the rest of the NFL and we compare the best of the best, in my viewpoint, like Kansas City, when I take a look at New Orleans, when I take a look at Philly, other you know teams like that, and look how they're run, and you compare it to the Bears, it's like night and day. It's night and day. And so we can, I can turn a blind eye to this and tell you that, no, you know, this, they're going to be much better than 28th. Well, what does that really mean? What does that really mean when Baltimore has Lamar Jackson? What does that really mean when the 49ers and what they were able to do to get to the Super Bowl last year with Jimmy Garoppolo? What does it mean? When Minnesota, once again, will be knocking on the door on the NFC North, as well as the Packers, will be 1-2 in any way that you want to put it in the NFC North. What does that mean? What does that mean when you have Russell Wilson as a future Hall of Fame quarterback with the Seattle Seahawks? They're 15th in this list, but I know they're top 10. They, they, they don't do anything special offensively, the Seahawks, but they are efficient and they get it done. What does that, what does that say for teams like the Eagles, as I mentioned? and -and up-and-coming teams as well with young quarterbacks that are showing some signs. See, it's one thing to have hyperbole and just root for the Bears and click your heels and close your eyes and hope that they win the Super Bowl, but we have to look into reality. I know some don't want to do that, but the reality is, is that when you look at Tariq Cohen and Ted Ginn Jr. and Cordero Patterson and David Montgomery, and we're looking at Anthony Miller and... Uh, as well as Allen Robinson and the weapons that Trubisky or Foles have to deal with, they're not bad. They're not bad at all. They're not at the, at the very bottom, but everything is predicated on whether or not they can run the offense that Nagy wants them to run. And with Nagy coming over from Kansas city, you know, it's, it might be Kansas city's playbook or some of it, but you need Kansas city's players to run Kansas city's offense. So that's that's the whole point of this. As we talk about this here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app, I believe. Let me go back and think now, and somebody's going to listen to the podcast uh, of uh, the night that the schedule dropped. And correct me on this. I, I believe I had the Bears winning nine games you this did. upcoming season. You did, huh? That's a nine. Yep. So nine and seven, I think, is what I said at the at the uh, when we did the schedule show. And so maybe that's good enough. Maybe that's good enough to get to the playoffs. Maybe it's not. But that's just granular success from 8-8. Eight eight. That's not good enough, especially when the rosters of the Vikings and the Packers are better. And, again, we will review the NFC North uh, coming up at 8 o'clock for our summer of football. But that that's something to, to think about for sure. Like, that's just one list. But I can give you other lists and pro football focus and how everyone else looks at the Bears and they're just holding their stomachs laughing, like the defense took a step back, but they're still very good. And the offense is just the blanks, the drizzling blanks. And that and, and you know what? That's not that's not hyperbole. That's not a sports radio thing to say because the numbers speak for themselves. It's just gotta get better. Um something about Cam Newton I just want to mention too. Um so Cam Newton is with the New England Patriots. And (laughs) I've been holding this back for a few days because I was wanting to get the reaction of not just me, but others regarding Cam Newton being with New England. And you know, the prevailing theme that I continue to hear about Cam Newton is, you know, Cam's just not a fit for New England. And what I continue to think when I hear that, Cam's not a fit for New England. Um, Cam in New England is not a fit for you. That's what I'm thinking as I hear that. It sounds like Cam's not a fit for New England, and I'm hearing it back as you don't think that Cam is a fit in New England. We've been seeing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at the, you know, locked in step. They have been attached at the hip for years, and now things change. It changes because Tom Brady had enough of Bill Belichick and New England, and so he decides that he wants uh, to leave. And now he's with Tampa. And I got no problem with that. He wanted to do something different. Uh, Belichick wanted to get rid of Brady probably three or four years ago because he saw the asset, the player, as someone that was up in age and he wanted to be able to get younger at the position. And so people thought, okay, so is Belichick just going to go with Jared Stidham? And Belichick waited and waited for someone to pick up that veteran quarterback, Cam Newton. No one did. And so he picked him up because that's what Belichick does. We get so caught up in the hot take society of, oh, so Bill's going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, because we always know Bill Belichick is someone who wants to purposely lose games. <laughs> It's just people, I swear the business has changed so much over the years that I've been doing this, where people feel that they just want to be right with some hot take so they can hold up the sound and say, look at me. I was right. Bill tanked. So we get Trevor Lawrence in there because he want because he wants the Patriots to go two and 14. No, the greatest winner that we've seen in our lifetime wants to tank. Who does that? Who does that? Not Bill Belichick clearly. Right? So, then the high tech is well, you know, Cam's going to sit behind Jared Stidham. <laughs> like we didn't know who Jared Stidham was until Brady decided he goes to go to Tampa. Anyway, I I just find the narrative about Cam Newton fascinating. Yes, we know Cam Newton is flamboyant. He's he looks like a pro wrestler because he's got his his, his colors and the way he dresses. And he's a fashion plate, and he speaks off the top of his head. Um, not a bad teammate, just different. You ever been around a, a, a cat that was just different from everyone else, where he the person's cool, but he's just different. He dresses differently, has different views of the world. That's who Cam Newton is. But I, I love already the fascination of Cam, because Cam's not Tom Brady. Cam is someone who is completely different from Tom. The crazy hair the, the rippling muscles, the dude is got videos out already looking forward to being with the Patriots, and it's just a one-year deal. What well, people are forgetting, and I'll mention it, and it'll, someone will take this and use it for their show, and that is with Cam Newton. Cam Newton's in a prove-it year, so if people think that he's just going to be going out just doing just wiling out and just being just um, uh s- separate from the team and doing his own thing, well, in a prove-it year, he's not going to do that. What he's going to do is he's going to try to prove to everyone that as he sat at home waiting for the phone to ring, that the Patriots picked up the phone and he's going to do right by the Patriots because he feels like he's healthy enough to help the Patriots. I've said this all along about Cam, though. Cam is not the Cam from Auburn. Cam is not the Cam when he first came to Carolina. It's an older Cam, and I want want to know if that ankle and that foot is healthy. If it is, cam could be able to be mobile move around the pocket and do some things and so uh, again i don't expect the patriots to to be in the super bowl this upcoming season but the idea that cam newton because he wears you know uh, a lot of different colors and wears a weird hat and, he, and he's uh, has garish suits and all that he's different but when it comes to the field when cam's right cam is going to be a very solid quarterback in this league we, we question Cam Newton, but we're cool with Jarrett Stidham. Uh, like, it's just like we're good with Nick Foles, but not, Jared, but, not but not Cam Newton. Um, I mentioned this, I believe, yesterday on yesterday's show, and we're going to hear from Cam Newton in just a moment. I mentioned this about the difference between Cam Newton and, say, Nick Foles. The Bears also had a chance to be able to get Cam Newton in here. But you know, as Cam Newton walks through the doors at House Hall, you know that he would want to be the starter. It's not a, none of this playtime where, oh, well, Trubisky's going to be the starter because he's been the starter the whole time. And so if he plays poorly, then we'll break glass and bring you in. Well, Nick Foles is not going to say boo to anybody, right? So Nick Foles is, is totally good with being the backup because that's what he's been. That's why he fits the narrative for the for the Bears. Imagine Cam Newton on the Bears. Cam Newton would take over the starting position just like that, and again, maybe you're not getting to Super Bowl, but you're going to get a guy that has won before. And I can't say the same thing for for Mitch Trubisky on a regular basis. Yeah, Cam would have been great as a Bear in blue and in blue and orange, but you know, you know, the Bears weren't going to play that. It's not because Cam's black; it's because Cam was never going to be a backup to that Trubisky. So Cam Newton is coming in with a um, chip on his shoulder in a big way because he feels like he's had some league-wide disrespect. Listen to what Cam Newton uh, had to say. Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, OBJ, Victor Cruz conversation about how Cam Newton feels like, "Hey, someone should pick me up." I was like, "Bro, like they playing with me, and I had
2: to count the days how long I was unemployed. It was 86 nights." 86 nights like it's just like that. that's two to that's three months
3: yeah almost 90 days
2: you see what I'm saying and I'm going through it and I'm like okay early on like people going to get signed and I'm looking at them I'm like you can't say I'm old because people older than me getting signed especially at your position hello you oh. know <laughs> then I'm like you can't say it's about injury because people who are injured more injured than me are getting sound, so I'm like, okay, cool, like whoa, whoa, like, whoa, where we at? Then you can't say the talent, so I'm like, hold on, okay, now, I'll be the first person to tell you, these last two years, I haven't been putting the best film on tape, mm-hmm.
1: that's, right with you.
2: that's just honest, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, okay, there's other people that's been putting the film out there that's getting picked up, and I'm like, whoa. Okay. No, not even picked no. up. They got the starting job. You know, what I'm saying? like I'm, like I'm feeling disrespected. Like I'm feeling like, bro, because every team at one point had to say, "Okay, fellas, Cam Newton. What do we think? Uh, pass." You feel me? And that's the disrespect that I feel. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm. I feel vindicated to some degree. But I'm searching for, I'm like, I'm aiming at, I'm going at next all year because it's like at at one point I did feel and I still do feel like a part of me is left because I gave an organization everything. Mm -hmm. What I gave, I don't think other people were willing to give. And it was times where I I knew I wasn't supposed to be playing. Mm -hmm. But off of the mere fact of Luke Keekly. Thomas Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, DJ Moore, uh, uh Christian McCaffrey, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, yeah. you know, Steve Smith. I'm like, bro, I can't give up on them. Like, you know what I'm saying? We play a, the ultimate team sport in offensive football. That's the ultimate team sport. Because if the guard don't do his job, I can't do my job. That. Who, who, who is O? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Who is a Ty Gurley if the guard don't, do, if the center don't snap the ball, if O don't block on the perimeter, how can TG eat? That's the ultimate team. We need a collective group of 11 people doing one thing, not one guy trying to do 11 things.
1: So when we hear Cam Newton's out a fit, uh, I think that is from some people's standpoint that they don't see Cam Newton and Bill Belichick standing side by side. Well, it's going to happen in 2020. Some thoughts about the bubble in the NBA in Orlando. What is happening with the NBA? It's right around the corner. We'll talk to Ryan Hollins next on Under the
0: Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We will go around the NFL for the summer of football. We'll take a look at the NFC North. We will preview the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions what can we expect from the three teams uh, in the NFC North? We will address that coming up eight o'clock with Summer of Football right here on ESPN One Thousand. Ryan Hollins covers the NBA like a blanket, and Ryan Hollins, a friend of the program, with us here on ESPN One Thousand. Ryan, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time.
3: <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing, man? Don't
1: start. Don't start with a chuckling. Don't start. Don't start with, don't start, don't, don't start with that. <laughs> Could you, uh, first of all, I want to know, I mean, you and um, and Haywood are, are tearing up Instagram. You guys are together doing your own show on Instagram almost on a daily basis, are you not?
3: Yes, sir, man. Well, even bigger than uh, Instagram, Opinionated Seven Footers, uh, we make Instagram uh, content. Uh, we've got actually on uh, YouTube, iTunes, and, and Spotify, uh, the Opinionated Seven Footers podcast will be interviewed guests like uh, we just did Chauncey Billups, Grant Hill, um, Jamal Crawford. I mean, many, many more, man. Uh, Gary Payton, I mean, down the line, man. And, and we got like, I mean, we got some gold coming up next. So, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, man.
1: I like that. I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I'm tuning in because it's always good to hear two opinionated seven-footers go back and forth on the topics of the day. So you guys are having fun with that. I, I enjoy that.
3: Yeah, no, hey, appreciate it, bro. You know that, man. You didn't, like we don't get anything by you. You you find a way <laughs> of seeing everything. I'm thinking, like, ah, you know, okay, Jonathan didn't see that. He's like, hey, remember you tripped trying to walk to your car last week? <laughs> 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 what were you thinking, man? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm a fan, so I, I I like good content, even if even if it is you tripping on your over your own feet. Um, okay. so, so I want to I want to get your thoughts. Because you've asked the audience this, so I'll ask you this myself about being in this bubble in Orlando. If you had your brothers, you got family, you know COVID-19 is strong, would you play?
3: I absolutely would play um, f- from two different angles. Uh, one, I'm going to trust that the NBA has put billions or millions of dollars, whatever price tag you want to put behind it, but between it working. Um, two... If the players don't play, uh, the owners can come to the table and rip up the CBA. Not to mention that when it comes uh, time for negotiations, I've never seen one player say that he wants to take less unless it's Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili, you know, trying to keep the Spurs together for another championship run. That's the only other scenario where players would be willing to take less money. And I say that because you have to understand the business of basketball, man, if if you put your – if you – make good on the sponsorship ads and the TV rights. And we're talking about Turner. We're talking about ESPN. We're talking about Gatorade, McDonald's. All those sponsors pay a lot of money to see basketball. They don't pay for you to voluntarily sit at home. And my hat goes off to all these sponsors because they've stayed patient knowing that no one could have predicted COVID-19. It is hitting all of us. So, you know, from a player standpoint, from a professional standpoint, if you don't have any – risk of being sick or some problem, you should be there playing basketball, man.
1: Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Ben Simmons news. Uh, ben, ben Simmons is really polarizing. You can't find five people in a barbershop to be able to agree on what Ben <laughs> Simmons is. It's, it's like it's not even negative, Ryan right? is just trying to figure out, like, what is he going to be? Uh, do you see him exclusively as a power forward for the long haul?
3: Man, I don't see him as a power forward right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the honest Got to God, true. You can put him at power forward, but he's not a power forward. He's going to bring the ball up court. He's going to attack the basket, or he's going to go into a dribble handoff with one of the wing players, something that he's always done. And he's kind of like, if you didn't have Joel and B down low, the entire floor would be opened up for Ben Simmons. And I think there's a lot of heat at Ben Simmons right now because he doesn't shoot jumpers. And to me, not so much that he doesn't shoot jumpers. I'll tell you, as a former player, you know, competing against a younger LeBron James, LeBron wasn't the greatest shooter, shooter, Jonathan. You remember that. Mm -hmm. And our scouting report would say, hey, like, like, let LeBron shoot the basketball. And in the beginning of games, first half the games, LeBron would get up a number of three-point shots. Second half of the games, he was attacking the basket. He was creating for others. But... He allowed himself to grow into a really good shooter in the NBA. It's fair to say LeBron James has developed a really good three-point shot and off the bounce, but he took the shots. My grief and all the former players that I speak to when they talk about Ben Simmons, it's not just that he hasn't improved because we know he, he gets out and works on his game. He plays pickup. He does that. But, like, he doesn't take it into the games. He's still scared to shoot. Maybe some of that you can say is on Brett Brown, but this man has enough equity in the system, in that Philadelphia basketball system, to where he can take a three-pointer a game. And, like, what the heck would Brett Brown say about it? I mean, go ahead and shoot, airball that thing by 15 feet. But, you know, take the shot and figure it out. And he won't take them.
1: Brett Brown is is yellow. That's what he is. He's yellow. Ryan. He's yellow. Oh well, he is. You know, oh you know why? Because we talked to Ryan Hollins with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. He's yellow. I mean, he, he comes across like Mayor Quimby's is just like, ah, you know, Ben, he guaranteed me that he would shoot a three a game. It's like, well, like, wait, you're the head coach, man. Like, like, you, well, it's not like you, you know, are going to rule with an iron fist, but can't you finesse Ben into be able to shoot the basketball? I mean, what kind of power do you have as a head coach that you can't get one of your guys to shoot the ball? Yeah, if you if it if it's gonna be an air ball, it's not gonna be on Shaq and the fool. People know that he's got issues, but he can work it out though. Why why can't why can't Brett Brown be better? That's what I'm saying. It's hard
3: for me to put this on Brett Brown, man. Like if your coach says for you to shoot the basketball, you don't shoot the basketball. The only other option is put Ben Simmons on the bench. And with no Jimmy Butler, it's really, really hard to put Ben Simmons on the bench. You get what I'm saying? Like I'm if Jimmy, if, if Jimmy was there and JJ Redick, and you know, you had a couple Tobias Harris, you got a couple other guys, you may say, Okay, I, I can put him on the bench. But this team right now, you can't he's all you got. You gotta figure it out a way to make it work. And like I said earlier, Jonathan, like, dude, he's been playing power forward. He can guard any, if you watch Ben Simmons, let's let's reel it back. If you watch Ben Simmons, bro. He's one of the most talented players, just raw talent that we had ever seen. You compare his skill set to LeBron James because there's not too many guys around six foot nine that can guard all five positions, handle the ball full court, and have legit court vision. When I say court vision, not that he just gets assists, he can anticipate a guy getting open, hit him in stride for a three point shot or a layup. That's when I talk about vision that's where the frustration sets in. When you have the label of a, of a of a more athletic Magic Johnson, that's the excitement that people had around Ben Simmons. And, and, Jonathan, you remember, bro, I came on the show a couple times early and I said, hey, Philadelphia's not coming out the east. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith and these guys were like, oh, Philadelphia's the best thing since sliced bread. I said, no, Ben Simmons <laughs> won't take a jumper. Now, now everybody's like, no, we've been sitting no, Ryan Hollins was one of the first to say, that that deal wasn't going to work out. But I think Ben is an all-star in the league for years to come, but it's just, dude, he's got his work to do.
1: Popovich would get him to shoot the ball. Popovich would bench his behind, too, the same <laughs> way he
3: did Tim <laughs> and Tony Parker and all those boys. <laughs> hey, Brett Brown ain't got that. Hey,
1: he ain't got that type of he ain't got him, dog. He, he don't have that type of rope, all right? <laughs> that would be kind of funny. <laughs> it would be interesting. Like, yeah, Pop would he would bench him. You. If you're not going to shoot the ball, you bench you. That's true. Oh, Cuz everybody's treated the same. Man, you know, speaking of Popovich, let's start a rumor, man. Let's start I want you to to take this and put it on your platform, okay? Popovich should coach New Jersey or coach Brooklyn. He 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 should coach Brooklyn. I, I think his time has run out in San Antonio. I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm just saying that sometimes some people just need um, a fresh coat of paint. His politics, his demeanor, everything fits the Nets. What do you think? Does it, though? Does it, it does, though? That doesn't work in Texas. I, he's I, don't,
3: I, I, I wouldn't say so. <laughs>
1: I don't know. You, don't you, you so. want to
3: watch? Like, like, am I going to tell, like, like, Kyrie Irving to, to play the like the pass and cut or run through offense or, you know, like, like, like is Kyrie Irving. Like, like forget, like Kyrie's a bad man. He got a ring. He got all yes. that, all that, all that jazz. Katie does too. You're going to tell him like, Hey man, pass the ball and cut dog. Like that's not necessarily going to work. The Spurs system is you have a synergy between five players on the floor uh, that, that can score, can cut, can make moves. When I, I had a workout, in san antonio they say hey man we got the we got the point five rule the point five rule means when you catch the basketball you have a decision to make in half of a second to dribble to pass or to shoot do not hold the basketball how in the world are you going to tell Kyrie irving and kd that now do i think that popovich is a bad coach heck no Mm -hmm. popovich can go to another situation per se like, uh, you, you know, I mean, Rick Carlisle ain't going there, but like, you gave him a young star like a Luka Doncic there, if you give him a uh, even like a Zion Williamson with the Pelicans or a team that has a, I say the Pelicans, a team that has a lot of good players, but nobody that's necessarily great, that could be a thing. DeMar DeRozan was used to having the basketball in his hands, and you say, well, pass and cut. Lamarcus Aldrich really demanded to just sit on that left block and and post up it shoot mid-range jumpers rather than three-point shots. so you have to give them stars that are going to work and when you lost when he lost karai leonard a guy who fit the system who was the heir to the throne you didn't get the best things back in return you don't you know you didn't get equal value and it even wasn't that demar's not a star that system didn't fit what he does best so if i'm greg popovich i'm looking for a young star to build off in a system that's going to trust what he sees because his vision may not be the same. Dude, Jonathan, the last thing I'll say to this, when I played in Europe, the pass and cut central because they're not, as, they're not as skilled, so they have to beat you with the three and the passing and cutting and, and all that, all right? They have to play a different brand of basketball. You know the only uh, team that they look up to? San Antonio. Greg Popovich is king in Europe. Everybody wants to copy what he's doing, and that's why they've had success, but Greg has to get a star – that fits that type of system.
1: I, I just know that if I'm KD and Kyrie, I want to be coached, and I want to be coached by the best. Like he, they can't, they can't mess up my game. I'm already great. I just want someone to I, enhance it. But you know, I, I, I know. think that's Tyloo.
3: I think that's Ty Lue. He's had to, listen, yeah. I played for Tyloo, bro, twice in in Los Angeles and with the Celtics. Tyron Lu has the ability to talk to stars the way they need to be talked to. I've seen him get on Kevin Garnett in big moments. I've seen him cuss out Blake Griffin. I've seen him talk to Chris Paul. I've seen him get on Ray Allen and Paul. Like, I've seen him talk to all these guys about what they need to be doing for the team to have success. I'm not saying it was demonstrative, but it was real talk. He was able to talk to LeBron James. I think Ty Lue is the guy where he still has a player's respect. He's sound defensively. And he's had success with Kyrie also. Keep that in mind. So I, I think from that perspective, it's a Ty Lue. It's a Mark Jackson. I'm not saying that Pop ain't got his stripes. And, and I'm sure he and KD have some Olympic, uh, and even uh, Kyrie have some Olympic uh, success there. But as far as in the NBA, I think that's more tired Mark Jackson, man
1: yeah Uh, lastly and I appreciate your time I just wanted to get your thoughts about the the Rockets with Russell Westbrook we continue to see players and this is Ryan unfortunately this is just part of the sports landscape here there's going to be cats that's just going to catch this COVID-19 and have to be quarantined and then come back to the team and and I saw Harrison Barnes he tested positive with with Sacramento so this is a thing here, and with the Rockets, it's a more one of the more intriguing teams in the NBA because of how they've tried to go small here. So what are your thoughts on the Rockets once Russ comes back with Harden?
3: Is it an ideal situation? No, not at all. Your star missing with COVID. Uh, if he was going to miss, I would say maybe this is the deadline for a star to be missing with COVID because the last thing you want to is Russell Westbrook to begin COVID-19 in the middle of the playoffs. And I know there's been a few people that have gotten COVID twice, uh, but it's very unlikely. Uh, And who knows, Russ may be, you know, he may be still be working out. He may be asymptomatic. I don't know his exact diagnosis. So I I think this is an ideal time to get it. I've talked to him earlier in the summer. I know he's been busting his butt all summer long and and working out. But if you're going to have success for the Rockets, you need A plus plus games out of Russell Westbrook. You need A plus plus out of James Harden. That's the only way on God's green earth that they have a chance to compete and win. And they are a team that's the, one of the more intriguing teams that I've ever seen because they're going to be a headache to guard if they knock down the three ball. Jonathan,
1: well, I'm looking forward to this this restart. And if I'm Adam Silver, by the way, if if, if there's no Bill and there's no Bradley Beal, there's no Wizards. Just slide them off of there. Just slide them out. You didn't. You didn't need them to start with. You know, Wizards on their team. Hey, like,
3: hey, but you know what? Hey, hey, there's a Wizards fan base that just wants to see their team go out and play. Now you'd like to see them compete, but like you yeah. want to see basketball. There's something to end the year on, and ask that. That regional Wizards, uh, you know, TV package. If they want to get a couple of more of their games off, you know. So uh, I'm sure the Wizards fan base will enjoy it. But you know, maybe Jonathan Hood may be a little rough on the man for, for not for not showing up.
1: <laughs> i can just see clinton yates now like yo yo bro shabazz napier though man he's the best i can't wait to see him bradley's out we got napier it's all good fam <laughs> that's right kiddos i mean so i can i can see that being a thing oh, all right man. so so um oh, I, again out there i love what you and and haywood are doing on that podcast you're having fun and i i enjoyed that it's, it's great content great
3: hey, Great content. No, I, I appreciate it, and uh, we're on CBS Thursdays also. we we made it to the big times like Ooh. you, man, so make sure you check us out there. Uh, we'll be on uh, Thursdays, and it, it's a it's a really cool deal, man, trying to build the momentum. Trying to be like you one day, man.
1: On <laughs> the CBS uh, Sports Network, or are you wearing the eye jackets? I can't wait for you to wear the CBS eye jackets. It's going to be great. No, we
3: do. We can't wear eye jackets at home. We're supposed to be like the cool guys. Like if I call a game, I put on the eye jacket. I, wanna, I don't. I don't wear the eye jacket at home.
1: <laughs> I think you should wear it. Oh I mean, my Jim, god! You, what do you, how do you think Jim Nance became Jim Nance? He's walking around his house with no, nothing else but the uh, eye jacket. Of course. Oh my god! He's Jim Nance. Just telling you. Oh my All god! All right, man. So, <laughs> as always, I appreciate it, man. Let's talk in season. All right, brother. You already know. Anytime. (laughs) It is uh, Ryan Hollins with us as we talk about the NBA and the bubble situations. Tempting fate. It's happening. Um, But the NBA restart is right around the corner with all 22 teams. And we've been talking about it right here
0: on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.
1: We will preview the uh, NFC North coming up at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000 with the Summer of Football. You know, as you well know, there is a distinct difference between the North and the South. In this country, and the way things are run, the way the people react to things, everyone's not the same. It's, it's a difference, especially when it comes to uh, college football. So, me living in Big Ten country and watching college football, the Big Ten and out west in the Pac 12, they look at the world maybe differently than the South. And the SEC really wants to make sure that they will be cleared enough through COVID-19 to be able to have fans in the stands and have college football. You notice in the Big Ten, clearly Commissioner Warren was like, okay, we're just going to do just conference only and just um, have games in the Midwest. And in the Pac-12, they did the same thing. Like, okay, we'll just have conference games. We will not have non-conference games and zigzag across the country. But the SEC in their football season – and again, Monday was supposed to be a decision, and then it says no decisions, according to Harry Lyles from ESPN. No decision has been made regarding the SEC football season, but the conference announced today that it will postpone the start of volleyball, soccer, and cross-country competition at least through August 31st. The SEC had an announcement that the delay of the competition will include all exhibition and non-conference games and that any rescheduling of non-conference contests impacted by the postponed start of the fall seasons in volleyball, soccer and cross country will be determined by each school. It's just, you know that COVID-19 is here. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did something a little bit differently than most. They were the first to say, yeah, let's just travel in close proximity in the Midwest if we can, in our own conference so we don't have to travel so much because we don't know what the fall will bring. The SEC, oh, we like our college football. Let's just wait and see what happens. That's just I mean, that's just the way it is. Listen, I said, I'm an SEC fan. I'm a Georgia fan. And so I, I understand. But it's just kind of funny how some people look at some—you know one thing. And they look at it differently than others in the world. COVID-19 is here. And the point is, is that you're trying to figure out how to be able to navigate through it. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, who is the college football maven here at ESPN, said that this time right now, pretty big. The next
2: two weeks could be the most important two weeks in the history of college football, because either way they go, uh, the decision uh, could be cataclysmic. If they decide not to play, uh, they, will, they will lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Many athletic departments will not exist. And if they, if they foolishly go ahead without having the facts and without having uh, any sort of protocol in place, which right now I'm afraid uh, they, they don't have one, uh, they could blow up the sport forever. So uh, it, it is a Sophie's Choice. It's going to be watched very closely. And, guys, all the, the political conversation uh, on either side is not going to make any difference. But the spotlight, while everything else is going on, uh, NFL, MLB, uh, the NBA, uh, the, mo- the most devastatingly difficult decision lies in the hands of the people that run college football. We just can't figure out who those people are right now.
1: So the thoughts from Paul Feinbaum, and it it is very, very important to see exactly what happens with college football, uh, in the summer and the fall. Will it be a spring sport? Big questions about maybe college football will start in the spring of 2021 because of COVID-19. We'll keep our eyes on it. Summer of football as we preview the NFC North is next.
0: This is under the hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN1000, Chicago's home for
1: sports.